Do a bit. Do some banter. Uh, well, first. Do I, it. I need to check my laundry's done. It's not. It's not done. How can you be sure? I know. I can feel it. Go don't, check. don't, don't go check. Fine. I'm gonna go check. Fine. If it is done, we've timed that really well. <laughs> I fucking told you! <laughs> it's still going. God, God that long, I, I put that on hours ago! God damn it, mate. Anyway. Fine. Is that the banter? No, that's terrible banter. <laughs> you check my laundry. <laughs> And welcome to Voice for TV. Hello and welcome to Voice for TV. I just said yes, that. Yes, you did. I'm Andy. And I'm Luke. And on this show, we each bring several topics to discuss and entertain ourselves and fill our heads filled with knowledge and nonsense. Exactly. We like to learn stuffs, and this is a good place to do it. We. Yeah. What? Everything's a plural now. Apparently. Is that is that your first topic? Everything's no. now a plural? <laughs> no, it's my first. My, my my topics today are movies and animals. Well, they sound like very regular topics that one would learn things about. Yes, they are regular topics that one would learn things about. But what are your topics? My topics are, I've got the miscellaneous, yeah, okay, I've got the bonus round, and I also have Andy. Hey, <laughs> everyone's favourite topic. I have my co-host, Andy. <laughs> and it tickles me, it still tickles me that... Right, so shall, we, shall, shall I crack on with my you first one? You crack on, you do your first one. So my first one is films or movies. And I thought, well, I, I was going to go in-depth. I had two ideas. And I thought, right, let's, let's knuckle down, do some actual research for once. And then I said, Luke, are you going to make your topics funny? And you told me they're actually quite... I'm going to do what I do best and keep it serious and do some actual fucking work. Yeah. So then I, I did a complete U-turn on what I was going to be doing. Well, that's good, because true to form, I've spent a few days researching my topics. <laughs> and I have not. <laughs> so I went, immediately went to Facebook and went, right, well, I've got to do something that's a bit light-hearted and keep it light. I, and immediately, something I, popped up. Can I know what your original topics were? Are you going to hold on I'm to I'm going to hold on to those, because okay. they are actually genuinely quite interesting. Okay, <laughs> I'd good. I'd like to use them potentially. So... Uh, some, a, a video popped up on my Facebook timeline. Right, so Facebook, not a sponsor. Although, if you want to, Facebook. <laughs> oh, yeah, go on Facebook. I'm fucking brilliant. That'd be ace. Star Wars. Yes, I've yes. heard of that one. You've, you've heard of Star Wars. Are you aware of the Skywalker tri- the uh, saga? Skywalker saga, it's called. Yeah, there's nine films in it. Nine films. I saw a video on my timeline that expressed the opinion that all of them were named... Incorrectly. Have you heard of this video? I think I have. Yes, just... it went viral. Yeah. I thought, this is fucking brilliant. I sat there, I went, oh, that looks like it could be entertaining. Pressed it and I went, it blew my tiny mind. Right? Have you seen the video? Yes. Damn. Damn it. That's my entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good video. Uh, well, then we can discuss it. Yes, let's. We can discuss it. So, episode one. There are spoiler warning uh, for anyone that hasn't seen all nine movies. I mean, it's been a saga. It's the biggest film franchise of all time. If you didn't, yeah. haven't seen it by now, I don't think they care enough to... I, uh, meh. Avoid spoilers. Previous, previous guest on the show, Jack, hasn't seen the most recent ones. And he's he not missing much, in my opinion. I, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them. But then I am a sucker for nostalgia. Episode 1, The you Phantom Menace. You weren't out. You weren't alive when the originals were out. That's yeah, the, the I was alive the when they re-released them with, with, with shit added. I remember going to the cinema and watching uh, Return of the Jedi. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I grew up with the prequels, which, you know, I'm completely indifferent to Star Wars as a result. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're trash. So the episode one, The Phantom Menace. Right? Yes. We meet Anakin Skywalker, so it should have been called The Rise of Skywalker. That makes sense. Makes absolute sense. I love that. It's totally coherent. And episode two, Attack of the Clones. We find out Palpatine, leader of the Sith, 
has ordered an army to destroy the Jedi. Revenge of the Sith. Do we know that he's the Sith leader at that point? Um... I don't, like that's a genuine question. Like, I mean, it's I mean, been a while since I've watched because it's a prequel. Yes, we do because okay. it was made after yeah. we learn it. Yeah. So we, we we if you if you're watching them, not to mention it is incredibly obvious as soon as he walks on screen. Oh, oh yeah, that's the emperor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he orders. Uh, he does. This this one was worded weird in the video. Uh, uh, Leader of the Sith has ordered an army to destroy the Jedi. He's. It's not like giving an order to destroy the Jedi. It's literally making an order for some clones of an army. Right. It was weird. It was it's weirdly worded, and that was hard to say. Episode three: Revenge of the Sith. Order sixty six happens, and the clone army attacks. Order X. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, attack of attack the clones. Attack of the clones. Fucking obvious when you think Execute about it. Execute Order sixty six. Yeah. Order sixty six is the order for the clone army to turn on the Jedi. If if you're not a Star Wars, I mean, there's no, only it's... Attack of the Clones if you're a Jedi. Yeah, but we are following the Jedi. Yeah, kind of. They we're, are we're kind of following more or less the protagonists and Anakin Skywalker in that film. Ah, oh, who cares the shit? <laughs> then Episode Four, the first good one, A New Hope. Right? Yeah. Obi Wan teaches Luke that it's time for the Jedi to return. That makes sense to be Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, episode four. Return of the Jedi, absolutely amazing shout. Episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, the best of the films. I watched this yesterday. Yoda teaches Luke how to use the Force. The Force Awakens. Absolute sense. Fucking love that. Episode six, Return of the Jedi. Yoda and Anakin die, making Luke the last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Makes way more sense than the one that's called The Last Jedi. Which, to be fair, is... Is that still... That, I don't know. Who are they referencing that one as The I Last Jedi? Know. Is that Luke? Is it... No one Ray? knows. Is it... Well, it, it can't Finn? be any of them, because in that film, there's fucking kids using the Force at the very end of it. So then... Yeah. Is, is the Jedi... But then, he's not Jedi. He hasn't trained that oh, kid with the broom. Yeah, but the, the potential is there for him to take hold of the force and use it and train and do that so it's fucking George Lucas created something cool then he made it shit then J.J. Abrams went I can make it a bit better than the prequels but not as good as the original I'm going to get so attacked for what I'm about to say but I've always thought that George Lucas is a terrible filmmaker and the luckiest man in the world he made one admittedly pretty incredible film and he made some brilliant decisions to follow a formula that had been laid out for him in books and in Japanese cinema. Uh, created this huge juggernaut that captured people's imaginations. And then got a bit big for his britches and ruined it. <laughs> he ruined it twice. Because I haven't actually seen the original, the original Tridge, as we call it. I haven't seen the like the original. Oh, you haven't seen the original cuts. You only yeah, seen the. I've only seen the re, uh, the redone ones with all the yeah. extra animations and extra shots and stuff. And the thing is, though, you can tell where they've been put yeah. in. Yeah, 100 percent. Because they look too good against the background that's grainy film shot. Yeah. Sort of. And am I right? He only directed a New Hope in the original trilogy, didn't he? There was somebody else who directed the other two. Oh, did he? I don't know. I've got. I'm gonna. You got the internet. You got Google. You got is it, it is it Googleable? I stand by that Empire is one of the best films ever made. Yeah, I mean, hard to argue. Yeah, and I assume that he wrote it. I don't know if he directed it. Yeah. Return of the Jedi was directed by uh, not George Lucas. Who was it directed by? Uh, Something called Richard Marquand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. This is really good filler for um, really good photo work. Clicking on the keyboard here, it's fine. I'll cut, it. I'll cut it out. Directed by Ivan Kirshner. Oh, so he, he yeah, terrible filmmaker, but <laughs> <laughs> really good producer. Because he probably executive produced all the rest of them. I imagine so. Yeah, definitely probably had. A, I doubt he had much. Yeah, say until in the Disney story or... got hold of it. What about, Which, what and to be fair it? to George Lucas, 
I don't think Disney have done a much better job. <laughs> what about the prequels? Because he he must have had quite a big he. I mean, I everyone directed Phantom. Yeah, they blame, everyone blames him for the prequels. Attack of the Clones, also directed by George <laughs> Lucas, which I assume means that um, the other one was as well. Which remind me, because you've confused me with your list now. Oh, this yeah. one is supposed to be Attack of the Clones, and it's actually no. This it's uh, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, George Lucas directed yeah. the first three. Yeah, the so prequels. He, he absolutely fucked them. Basically, it was terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Fun thing though, if you watch them with, uh, it, it, if you hold in your mind that Obi Wan Kenobi is in love with Queen Amidala. Yeah, that actually makes so it much makes more sense. So you much look more at the sense. Subtext, that dude. they're banging. Because I love that theory that kind of sprung up around the more recent films around Rey's origins. And yeah. the idea that she was uh, secret Kenobi. Yeah. The timeline didn't that. quite match, but Star Wars timelines have never really made sense <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi aged terribly, really quickly. Yeah, really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really, I also really like the, uh, the Jar Jar fan theory. Oh, that he's secretly the Sith Lord he's controlling everything. He's the bigger Sith. Yeah. And that? everything yeah. that he mistakenly does in the first one. Because he's the one who grants the emergency powers to Palpatine. Yeah, he, get, he 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 does the whole thing for him. It's ridiculous. He's like the best drunken master, drunken yeah. fight style, best ever. Amazing. Episode seven. Oh, sorry, we're still on your list. Yeah. yeah, back back to the shit bit. <laughs> Episode seven: The Force Awakens. The Empire has been destroyed, and the new one rises. The Empire strikes, strikes back. back. Episode eight: The Last Jedi. Which, who's the last Jedi? Luke trains Rey and sacrifices himself for the Resistance to give them a new hope. Yeah, that entire... And even with the kid grabbing the broom yeah. at the end of that one, it would have made so much sense. The entire point of that is the Resistance being on their last legs. Yeah. And then Rey turning up at the end and Luke turning up at the end to give them hope. And the kid looking up in the stars going... and. I can, broom. I can, I can, I can save the galaxy yeah. one day. It's the entire thing. Again, oh, okay. Apologies for the noise in the background. That is Luke's washing. <laughs> Episode nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Palpatine returns from the dead, making him the Phantom Menace. So the full circle. Full circle brings it right back. Brings it. Right, I'm doing a hand uh, movement. This is canon in my head now. Yeah, it makes. So much sense. Do you have you, when you, someone next asks me, "Do you want to watch The Empire Strikes Back?" I'm like, "No, nah, it was kind of a divisive one, wasn't it? It was a bit of a shit one." <laughs> no, it was, it was terrible, man. Actually, to be, I, I quite like The Force Awakens. To be fair, yeah, I thought that one was that was the best of that trilogy. I really like The Last Jedi, even though it made no sense. And apart from that shit bit with the gambling, oh yeah, that whole yeah. No, I, I like that one. I think there was some good stuff in there. I I quite like that. I didn't get why people slated it. People slated people slated The Force Awakens because it was too similar to A New, a New Hope. Hope. And then people railed on The Last Jedi because it had nothing to do with the original trilogy. So, what, what, what do, do you want, want people? It's an, it's an entirely new film. Yeah. Sure, some of the fight scenes are oh, a bit janky. Skywalker would never do that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know him. <laughs> but, then, but to be fair, I mean, he, he, he did kind of say himself... Who Mark Hamill? Yeah, he did come on and say, "Yeah, he, he, I hated it. I hated throwing the thing up." Except to be fair, that's not in the Last Jedi. He just gets handed. Oh no, that's Force Awakens. No, it's Force Awakens. I'm, I'm confusing yourself. That it's a very confusing myself. list. Like I'm going to have to relearn Star Wars. Yeah, which is not necessarily a task I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Do you not like them? I, I think they're fine. I'm kind of, like by the time the last one came out, I was very fatigued on the whole thing. <laughs> um, like again, I grew up like the, when I was a kid. The prequels were the Star Wars films. Yeah. So have they, you not seen the original trilogy? I must have done at some point, but the ones that were being talked about, all the merchandising around them, the stuff that you know was pandered to me, video games, what have you, was all prequels based. Oh. Being such a young kid, I don't suppose I really appreciated the craft that went into the original trilogies and why those films are so good. I had I had a toy Han Solo in Carbonite as a kid. <laughs> so it's like thoroughly thumped into my head that these are amazing films and then the prequels happened so I was really excited. And as a kid you enjoy the Phantom Menace. 
<clears throat> yeah, I mean, the Phantom Menace, I think, is the best of the three. Oh, by a long way. Just because of the Jewel of the Fates. And the pod racing. Pod racing is amazing. Is it though? Yes. Yes, it is. It was quite fun when you were a kid, but if you actually look at <laughs> how it's filmed... And it's all just <laughs> things going from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen very, very oh, quickly. Oh, uh, don't get me wrong. Filmic- it's... Filmically, it's terrible. But the idea of it is fucking cool. Yeah. I would love that. I mean, what I really enjoy in the prequels is you and McGregor being <laughs> sarcastic and snarky as all hell. Oh, as yeah. Obi-Wan. He fucking hated it, didn't he? Filming in front of green screens and stuff. He genuinely found yeah. that the worst. <laughs> right, do you want, do we, shall we crack on? Let's crack on. Which one are we doing first? Are we going to do our miscellaneous or are we going to do Andy? Let's do Andy because I've got all of this stuff here already. Said no one ever. <laughs> oh. oh, God! So, in a little pre-show, which not as entertaining as I was hoping for, I, didn't, I found a little um, questionnaire for mm-hmm. Andy and... We went through it all together, it took about 15 minutes, and what that was, was a questionnaire for the Myers-Briggs type indicator, have you heard of this? Type indicator? Yeah. It's like A1, or am I thinking of something else? It's, it's not... Um, a type A personality type no, It's similar to that. Right. So, the Myers-Briggs type indicator is an introspective self-report questionnaire indicating differing psychological preferences in how people perceive the world and make decisions. Fucking hell. This test attempts to assign four categories. We've got introversion or extroversion. Mm-hmm. Sensing or intuition. <laughs> right. Thinking or feeling. Mm-hmm. And judging or perceiving. So within each of those, you can either be an introvert or an extrovert. You can either be strong in sensing or intuition. There's no in-between. Well... There's a spectrum, right. but you'll lean one way or the other. Um, so there are 16 different types that can come from those sorts of combinations. So different pairings of different things. Yeah. yeah, and so one letter uh, from each category is taken to produce the four-letter test result. So you get something like an ISTJ or an ENFP. Right. So an ENFP would be um, uh, an extrovert... Uh, narcissist (laughs) feeling uh, perceptive type right Um, it is largely discredited as pseudoscience by the psychological oh yeah of course it is um, world but (laughs) it's still quite good fun (laughs) to sort of figure out so that's what I so that's what we did and we we looked at your Myers-Briggs personality type excellent I had no idea to learn something about Andy I had no idea what the test was about you you just asked me some questions so the top type that you came up with Mm -hmm. you were a good match for two ooh um, you were a good match for an ENFP or an ENTP. <laughs> TP. <laughs> um, your top one really is the ENFP. ENFP. ENFP, which is called the champion. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Obviously. Have you done this as well? I haven't done this yet for oh, myself, no. Mate. So it says here, ENFPs are people-centred creators. Ooh. With a focus on possibilities and a contagious enthusiasm for new ideas, <laughs> people, and activities. Energetic, warm, and passionate, ENFPs love to help other people and explore creative potential. Ooh. Does the one that was close to completely contradict that? The other one, uh, the inventor, Ooh. which are ENTPs, are inspired <laughs> innovators. Uh, motivated to find new solutions to intellectually challenging problems. They are curious and clever and seek to comprehend the people systems and principles that surround them. Out of the two, I'm more of a champion. I would think so. It sound, that sounds more you. A uh, couple of things about what the, the Ian. What, what are the other ones called? Like, what are the titles for the other 
categories, but I, that it could have potentially been. Oh, uh, we can go through that in a moment if you want. Okay. So I just want to dive a bit into your personality type. Oh, even more. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, fucking have it. It's a moderately common personality type, and is the fifth most common among women. ENFP, ENFPs make up 8% of the general population considering there are 16 different types 8% is quite a lot 10% of women and 6% of men oh, are shit. ENFPs wow there we go famous ENFPs include Bill Clinton <laughs> uh, Mark Twain okay Dr. Seuss yay Robin Williams excellent uh, Drew Barrymore and Julie Andrews. Cool. Yeah. Robin. Uh, famous ENFPs in the fictional world. <laughs> we have Willy Wonka. Excellent. Horace Slughorn from Harry Potter. Fucking amazing. Uh, and as well as Nymphadora Tonks from Harry yes! Potter. Yes! Tonks, fellow Hufflepuff. Uh, Joe March from Little Women. Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing. Nice. I'm in good company. <laughs> to do you and then uh, we'll do the quiz <laughs> hobbies and interests for ENFPs oh, uh, popular interests and hobbies include writing creating and appreciating art playing musical instruments listening to music participating in community theatre and reading fiction well shit I mean it probably got me it got me pretty well hey, I mean you do it? pretty much all of those things <laughs> fucking hell uh, so, uh, what, enthusiastic, so, outgoing, spontaneous, changeable, impulsive, energetic, and understanding. You know the the extrovert, introvert, those words. Do you have which ones for each one that I was closest to? Uh, I can hopefully find that if you give me a moment. Um, yeah, here we go. So Obviously introverted. <laughs> you are 56% extroverted. Only 56? And 44% introverted. Ah. With sensing or intuition, you are 72% intuition. Okay. And only 28% sensing. What does that mean? So as an intuitive, you are primarily interested in ideas and possibilities. Uh, You tend to be bored by mundane details, preferring instead to look at the big picture and understand how everything fits together. You are drawn to interesting ideas and theories and enjoy imagining the future uh, you naturally see patterns and connections and often have a sixth sense about things. I do. I do often see dead people. <laughs> uh, thinking and feeling. So you are an F, which means you're a feeling. You're 56% in the feeling category. Over your 44% of thinking. Your mm. values style uh, is a blend of thinking and feeling, it says. And such you are neither an absolute thinker nor an absolute feeler. <laughs> uh, because you show a that. slight preference for feeling we can classify <laughs> you as the feeler type however it is more accurate to say that you're a bit of both thinker and feeler you tend to use both styles in processing information and may switch from one to the other depending on the demands of your environment okay yeah and perceiving and judging you this is quite heavily in the perceiving category which is what you would be 66% to 34% huh. as a perceiver uh, you like to keep things casual and open-minded. You dislike being tied down, preferring instead to go feeling, instead to be free to go with the flow and the impulses of the, of the moment. Uh, you tend to avoid rigid structures and, organ- and organisational systems and shy away from scheduling your time in advance. You like to be free to make last-minute changes and new ideas cool. as they arise. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think the last segment of this pretty much covered all that. <laughs> Going from, <laughs> oh yeah, I had some really cool ideas, and then I went, nah, fuck it, let's do, let's do this, and then did that, but halfway through went on a rant about Palpatine. <laughs> I think that's what I did. Did I say Palpatine? We were talking about Palpatine, weren't we? Probably at some point. Cool. So, do you feel like you know yourself a little bit better now? Well. I feel like I knew that already. <laughs> also, I'm curious as to I'm curious as to what the other like breakdowns of other characters are because I'm pretty sure you could probably put yourself in any category. Like if you were to tell me that I was such and such, yeah, and read. 
Well, I said this is largely pseudoscience, yeah. but I didn't tell you what it was before we yeah, so began. I so I again. wanted you to. We we are very scientific on this podcast, and I wanted you to honest answer <laughs> each question as honestly as you could. Yeah, yeah, and I did that. I think as much as possible. I think I feel like I did. Co- well, if if anyone's interested, give us a tweet, and we'll we'll put up the uh, the interview, the interview, the questionnaire thing. Uh, as a bonus episode, but if no one if no one asks for it, then I'm not going to bother. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is you in uh, in the Myers Briggs personality type as an actor. Actually, um, I discovered this when I was training because it's part of um, a system of training. There is a book called The Peopled Labyrinth by Christopher Fetters, and it uses the Myers Briggs personality types with the Larbin efforts. Okay. And it is an excellent, an excellent source for character development. Cool. And it uses those personalities that puts like characters in. As part of it, yeah, and it marries them with the Larbin efforts. Right. Cool. Fucking hell. So that idea of either being a you know a a feeling or perceiving or whatever it was. We're gonna have to find out which one you are. I mean, it's gonna be the same as me. But I would be surprised if it was actually. Really? Yeah, I think there's enough diff I mean we are very similar people, but I think yeah. there's enough difference between the two. We're both tall, they've got beards, both have brown hair. Yeah, which essentially dictates how our personalities yeah. work, obviously. Yeah. I mean we've been living here for like three years. That is very true. They do say you start to look like your pets. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Sure. My second category was, is, and forever shall be. It, it won't be this forever, but... It, It'd be a very boring podcast if it was. I was, I was riffing, shut up. Animals. Yay! Animals. And that's where the laughter stopped. Oh dear. <laughs> oh no. Well, I mean, it's, a quite, it's quite nice. It is quite nice, but it's... I think it's quite important. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Okay. Should we just crack on? Yeah. It's let's quite. Do it. It's quite an info dump. But bear with me. In 1824, it's not history. We're animals. Yeah. Right? right. In 1824, a group of animal lovers met in a London coffee shop. This group became the SPCA. Oh no! I think I know where this is going. Society. For the prevention of cruelty to animals. Oh yeah, that's not where it was going. Where did you think it was going? Uh, that I feel like I've heard somewhere that around that time there was a society that ate exotic animals. Oh no. Okay. This no, is no, this is this is the opposite of that. <laughs> In 1835, they managed to get bear and bull baiting abolished. Good for them. Absolutely amazing. Fucking hate baiting bears and bulls. Happens every day. Five years later, Queen... Hang on, just before we start, do you know what cheese you used to bait a bear? Come on, bear. If bear baiting wasn't such a horrific thing, I'd laugh at that. That's It was horrific. I'm just trying to lighten the mood. (laughs) Five years later, so 1840, Queen Victoria gave them permission to use the royal prefix and they became the RSPCA. So... They've been the RSPCA ever since. Wonderful. Inspired by the work of the RSPCA, USA created the ASPCA in 1866, then the RSPCA in Australia opened in 1872, and the SPCA in New Zealand. That same year. I don't think it was that same year. I've forgotten to write down the year. I'm an idiot. But that fact checkers. That happened. No, fact check away. <laughs> In 1911, they managed to get the Protection of Animals Act passed. This tackles almost every form of ill treatment to animals, which is fucking brilliant. That right? is wonderful. We're, we're not talking about chickens and cows, though, because well, we still slaughter them for food. During the, during World War One in 1914, the RSBCA set up a fund for sick and wounded horses. It provided 13 animal hospitals, 180 horse-drawn ambulances, which I think is hilarious. 180 horse-drawn horse ambulances. Fucking amazing. And 226 
motor ambulances for the veterinary corps. Wow. Yeah. They've done so much like in the amount of time they've been going. Uh, they had a hand in the Hunting Act of 2005, the Animal Welfare Act in 2006. Uh, they've been saving the lives of animals for about 200 years, which is... Wow. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, that is, that is incredible work. Absolute heroes. And they continue to do great work. However, we're in 2020. Yeah. There is a global pandemic on. Very true. Uh, it's hit everyone hard. Yes. Everyone globally, especially charities, and the RSPCA is no different. Uh, okay, this makes sense. While we're all worried about people we love, less attention is being given to the animal community because we're worried about yeah. the health of... Our priorities, unfortunately, fall on our own families which, and loved ones. Which is fair. But the RSPCA has launched an emergency appeal to help them continue doing the vital work because the people that do the vital work are getting ill so they're finding it difficult to do the work and getting into houses and people aren't seeing the mistreatment of animals at the moment because it's behind closed doors and everything like that so if you would like to donate go to rspca.org.uk or whichever one it is in your country obviously there are other charities and organisations like the NHS or the Black Lives Matter movement and other important causes if you are giving to those don't stop giving to those I just had animals as a subject and I thought it important to bring it up it's a very good point and I'm glad you did yeah I mean animal cruelty is shit <laughs> is that the title of this episode hashtag yeah. <laughs> hashtag animal cruelty is shit animal cruelty is shit yeah feel free to tell anybody that because we all agree yes um, do you know what still gets me is fox hunting yeah. Specifically, um, like it is illegal, but people still fucking do it because they're the elites, and no one can tell them to stop. Basically, well, it's people annoying. can. The government did, and they don't because they because are the government. The, the government are the people that do it. Nobbets. Well, it really like if you if you if you do see someone mistreating their dog, like or a mistreated dog on the side of the road, call the RSPCA. They will go and get that dog or endangered animal and just help them out that's what they do yeah charities are there to help people who can't help themselves and what is more helpless than an animal in in our world that can't help itself especially one that's been reared as a pet kept in someone's house so if you do see anything say something call the RSPCA and help them out if you can if not it's fine just remember that they are there to help they are a public service so big hands to the RSPCA for all the incredible work that they have done over the last two hundred years, year, almost two hundred years, almost two hundred years. Ridiculous, of excellent work. It's bizarre that they've been going so long. It's incredible, yeah. Particularly back then, when I can't imagine that animal welfare was a huge priority. Yeah, among they would not. A lot like, of most of them would not give a shit. Just a group of people in London sat around having a coffee, stroking their dogs, going, "Look at this dog, it's so cute." It's really bad that people people mistreat animals. Yeah, we should do something about that. And they fucking did. And they did. Heroes. Absolutely. Well done, the RSPCA. Yes. And it's not the most entertaining, it's not the funniest segment that we've done. Uh, but but it felt like something that I saw I saw an advert come up on TV and I was like and and then I, and then I got animals. So I was like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the RSPCA, give a little brief history and emphasise they are still working their fucking socks off, even though it's difficult time. Yeah, well done then. Shall we move on then? Sure. To my bonus round. Woo! Now I do like having the bonus round because it does open you up to being able to talk about literally anything. Yeah. Something you, you love. You don't have to talk about me. I don't have to talk about Andy. <laughs> um... So I've dived into a world that I love. I haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet, but martial arts has been a massive part of my life. Um, I've been training on and off in several forms, karate, kung fu, kickboxing, a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. This is about seven years old. Don't get on the wrong side of Luke. I want to preface this now by saying I am absolutely by no means a master of anything. Like... (laughs) 
Shut up. I don't get on the wrong <laughs> side of Luke. I am not, you know, I'm not a cage fighter. Would not step into any ring with anybody. I just know enough to know how much I don't know. <laughs> uh, but there is somebody who I want to talk about specifically. Have you ever heard of the name Frank Ducks? No. I'm going to talk about Frank Ducks. How are you spelling that? D U X. F. F-R-A-N-K-D-U-X He was born in Toronto in Canada in April of 1956 Ooh Oh boy He served in the US Marine Corps Reserve from 1975 to 1981 At the age of 13 Mm -hmm. he was trained in the art of ninjutsu by Grandmaster Senzo Tanaka I don't know who that is. Should we'll, I? We'll get to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> he was deployed in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and awarded the Medal of Honor during his service. Okay. Fucking hell. What? Uh, while he was serving in Southeast Asia, he competed in a secret martial arts tournament known as the Kumite. <laughs> okay. Is this... Wait... Okay, I think I know where this is going. Let me go through. (laughs) Um, In that tournament, he broke several world records, including uh, most consecutive knockouts with 56. (laughs) Fucking hell, how long was the tournament? uh, And fastest KO time with 3.2 seconds. (laughs) What? What? Um, By 1980... He had fought 329 times with a record of 321 wins, 7 draws, and a loss. (laughs) Who did he lose to? Unknown. Oh, Oh, you'd hope it was like Jet Li or someone. (laughs) He was recruited to the CIA by the director of the CIA, William Casey. Fucking hell. And operated several covert missions, which, of course, he cannot talk about today. Oh, obviously. Then founded the Ducks Ryu School of Martial Arts in L.A. For his winning of the, of the Kumite, this massive fighting tournament, he was awarded a ceremonial sword. A sword that, unfortunately, he does not have anymore. What? Because eBay. eBay. he <laughs> sold it. In a failed attempt to rescue a shipload of Filipino orphans from pirates. Wow. What a fucking legend. Selling the sword to them failed, so... Like a ransom thing, or...? Yeah. Uh, oh. So he fought the pirates with some of his friends in the military <laughs> and, and freed the orphans. Fucking hell. What a legend. Um, have you ever seen the movie Bloodsport? No. There's a movie called Bloodsport. I've heard of it. Um, it stars Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. He plays Frank Ducks <laughs> in this movie, and it is the dramatisation of the Kumite. Oh, in my head it was uh, uh, Enter the Dragon. Is that the right one I'm thinking of? That's Bruce Lee. It's Bruce Lee, but he goes to an island and there's a mm. secret competition thing. So, Frank Ducks has had an incredible career in martial arts. I really don't know who he lost to. That's really annoying. <laughs> The thing is, none of this is verified. What? This is all him saying it. More than that, it's pretty much all confirmed to be absolute bullshit. What? The things we know about Frank Ducks. Wait, no. He was born in Toronto on April 6th, 1956, and he served between the years of 1975 and 1981 in the Marine Corps Reserve. That's, that's... And that's it. <laughs> that's where the story ends. Is this right? Senzo Tanaka? We have no idea who that was. <laughs> and Frank Ducks has been on record several times about what happened to his master after his training finished. Um, one time saying he did not know where he went. One time saying he died in LA. And one time saying he died in Japan. So... Frank Ducks is a bullshit artist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Was this all just to launch his dojo? Probably. 
like build up a reputation. Um, I mean, there's more. Apparently, he won the Medal of Honor. Uh, there was a huge uncovering. The LA Times did. I couldn't find the original article that they wrote, but it was referenced in a lot of the other sources. They did a huge investigation into him, so a lot of this debunking came from that article. Um, <laughs> he was investigated by the FBI for wearing <laughs> fraudulent military decorations. <laughs> oh my god! Um, there is a photo of him holding the trophy that um, he was awarded for winning the Kumite. However, there is also <laughs> a receipt for that exact trophy from, <laughs> from a shop. In North Hollywood. Amazing. Made out to Frank Duggs. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> what a bad uh, the Apparently, the sponsors of the, of the Kumite were the International Fighting Arts Association. Mm. Um, when journalists tried to contact the IFAA, they discovered the address <laughs> was the... <laughs> their address was the exact same as Frank's house. <laughs> oh my god I mean it's bold <laughs> I mean it's really really bold um, ballsy move <laughs> so yeah but I mean people he he managed to launch a couple of dojos like a, a decent business off this he went into Hollywood as um, a fight, he did some of the fight choreography on Bloodsport, the dramatization of a completely fictitious part of his life. So, we and was played by Jean Claude Van Damme, who is a legitimate fighter. So, I mean, we've got to assume that he has trained at some point in martial arts. If he's been able to get away with that, I'm like at the bare minimum to teach Jean Claude Van Damme a fight. There him is... not call bullshit on it. I haven't found a single video of a fight that he participated in. But that is the thing with martial arts, particularly at the time he was operating. Like, mixed martial arts as a sport didn't really exist. Yeah. Like, it was wrestling or boxing. So, you couldn't really verify somebody's abilities because that system of fighting didn't really exist. But you'd fight within your specific fighting style. Sure. But if you were the head of the dojo, <laughs> you, you've got yeah. nothing to prove to people. You could easily go, no, I'm not going to fight you because I styles. could kill you. <laughs> Have you seen videos of the people that do like the the knockouts with without touching you? Yeah, and it's exactly the exactly same, the same as that yeah, kind of like, thing. You build up this basically a religion around yourself. Yeah, it's like and a cult. People believe it. Yeah, and this this happened a lot um, in Chicago in the nineteen eighties. There were literal dojo wars. <laughs> um, there was a guy called Ken. Well, I, mean, I, I, I blame Karate Kid for that, but yeah. There was a bloke in Chicago who um, called himself Count Dante, <laughs> and he was the Grandmaster of Dim Mac or the Death Touch, right? Um, which he marketed in a pamphlet that was sold at the back of comic books. Um, and, <laughs> oh, I've heard about that. And it was marketed as really vicious form of um, self-defense with eye gouging and pressure point locks, <laughs> and you could kill somebody if you were a master of it with a touch. He opened up like three or four dojos that was in the same city as three or four rival dojos. So teenagers would turn up expecting to learn how to become ultimate warrior weapons. <laughs> and they would feed that delusion within... Like These men must have deluded themselves into believing that they were this dangerous. And they would feed that delusion in their students to the point where... They felt confident enough to go out and... yeah. Count Dante allegedly tried to blow up a rival dojo with a stick of dynamite. And <laughs> allegedly. One of his students died in a fight with a rival dojo. Fuck. Like, it got serious. Oh my god. Because at the time there was no way of verifying. Like, as I said, the sport of MMA didn't exist. And now that it does, it's a really good litmus test against 
more traditional styles of martial arts. I'm not saying the traditional styles of martial arts are fake. I honestly don't believe that. I've seen a lot of traditional martial arts and they've given me a lot. But if something doesn't get tested against a active, resistant opponent, which a lot of these schools at the time weren't doing, they would show you a technique against a compliant opponent and go, this is how to disarm a knife or something like that. But that's not a real-world situation. Mm. So MMA, like, looked... The whole point of it is that it looks at every single martial art it can and picks the bits that work and discards the rest and uses training against an active, resistant opponent. <laughs> and that is how you get better at the technique. If you can't, if you can't punch somebody who doesn't want to be punched, <laughs> then what's the point in learning how to punch? Do you hear about the guy? I can't remember his name. Um, guy from China who basically learned different styles and combined it into MMA, and he was basically excommunicated from China because he went around saying that he could. Be I anyone. I know the story you're talking about. I'm trying to um, remember the guy's name, yeah. but. Um, yeah. Um, he basically said he could beat any master or any single martial art because he's combined and he's basically so condensed everything. In the, the thing world. in China is they they build up a lot of their national heritage around their traditions. Yeah. And traditional martial arts are a part of that. So I think that his very first fight, this guy, I can't yeah, remember his know. name. Here we go. His name is... Zhu Zhao Dong. Okay. Mad dog. So he is... He's trained in MMA. He's 40 years old. And this happened in 2017. Yeah. 40 years old. MMA fighter. He's not a professional fighter. Um, he teaches a bit as far as I'm aware. He's a coach. But his first job is a journalist. So, as I said, China builds up its own traditional martial arts to the point where the grandmasters of it are these superhumans. Okay, who could not possibly be touched. And there's this particular um, Tai Chi master that uses a, l- uses a lot of really strong promotional material of him busting out of locks <laughs> from five guys, like pounding on top of him, one violent movement and he's free. Um, again, these are all compliant people. Uh, who, who, are trained there, who have trained under him. Who have trained under him. Yeah. And, you know, and they're there being filmed to show the technique working in ideal conditions. Zhu Zhao Dong, as an MMA fighter, you know, he has trained against resistance and he knows that doesn't necessarily work and he says as much. I mean, as a, as a journalist as well, he's got, yeah. got impetus to debunk things. Not debunk, but... So he challenges this Tai Chi master and the fight lasts about 30 seconds. Yeah. Zhu Zhao Dong absolutely annihilates it. I've seen a couple of videos of him doing this. Yeah. But that's not enough. Hmm. Pretty soon, other grandmasters start challenging Zhu Zhao Dong. Yeah. And he accepts all covers. Other grandmasters of Tai Chi or other traditional Chinese Kung Fu. And they use their rigid styles they've been training in for, admittedly, a long, long time. And I'm sure they're very good fighters within their own systems. Yeah, against someone that's been training yeah. the same system. But Zhu Zhao Dong wins all of these fights. <laughs> and it catches the attention of the Chinese of the Chinese government. And they've got a social credit system in China. And if your social credit is low enough, you can't do things like get on flights, go on high-speed trains, enter certain government buildings. Wow. And that's what they did to Zhao Dong as a sort of punishment because he was disparaging the traditional values, the traditional values of China, um, and these, and this heritage that they build up their national pride around. So there was a, another fight that he had to go to. It was clear across the country, and because his social credit had been lowered so far, it took him thirty-six hours on a hardwood seat on a train to get there. He couldn't fly, and he couldn't take a high-speed train. When he got there. They said the fight wouldn't happen unless you wore clown makeup and you changed, and you used this name to fight. I think it was a f- name they gave him that was designed to disparage him and humiliate him. It was something about his weight because he's not a slim guy, and he agreed to all these terms. <laughs> he was incredibly pissed off, and you can see it in the fight. <laughs> um, well, you fucking would be, wouldn't you? Uh, he wins that fight. 
despite having have, having to get to that fight on a thirty six hour train, he obviously he wins the fight, and it all comes to a head about a year after all this began, where he fights a Wing Chun master. Okay, Wing Chun. Wing Chun honestly, it's it's a legitimate art. Like I've trained, I've studied a bit of it myself. It's what Bruce Lee grew up learning in Hong Kong, and there's some really good stuff in it. But again, it's an incredibly one-sided fight hmm. that is called a draw. And if Wait. you watch the fight, it's clearly not a draw. Zhu Dong wins the fight. He knocks down his opponent several times to immediately get broken up by the referee who picks up the guy and they go again. Zhu <laughs> Dong has spent the last three years of his life being harassed in public, attacked in public... Um, there's footage of him of some Wing Chun students blocking his exit out of a hotel he's been fined I think about $10,000 he's had to move his family has been harassed he's had to leave his home and his social credit is now so low that he can't do basic things like get a flight but he has proven (laughs) this point that martial arts only work if they can be tested in a real life situation, which none of these grandmasters have really done. Yeah, tested in very specific conditions. Yeah. Against a very specific style that matches their own where you can have a sparring match. Absolutely. Um, but I mean oh. Frank Ducks, this sort of system these systems and these ways of testing these martial arts didn't exist back then. And people like Frank Ducks took massive um, advantage of that gap in people's knowledge to really brainwash hmm. their students into following their ideals. And I've, I've watched a bit of Frank Dux's Dux Ryu system. Like, there are um, videos out there in which he will talk through, and a lot of it is groin shots, is what I noticed. <laughs> which admittedly could be very, very effective. Yeah. I mean, it would work. But that, to me, is somebody who hasn't really studied martial arts and is just looking at how to, you know, win. Which, you know, it's martial arts. It's how to win a fight. Um, This wasn't where I wanted this segment to go. I wanted to poke fun at a complete fraud who managed to get to the point with his con that he was having movies made about him. (laughs) I, I, I think we've done that and gone further. Yeah. I was going to save the Zhu um, Dong stuff for maybe another miscellaneous one, but it's worth talking about. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of notes, so all this is coming off the top of my head. I mean, that's you basically yeah, told, told me the, the very little I knew and expanded on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's an incredible story. If you can, if you can um, Google, just Google like Chinese MMA, Zhu Dong's name will be the first one that comes up because it is such an incredible story. It's worth reading into just to see the sort of stuff he's had to go through. So recent, so recent. So it's like it's still really going on. It's like his life has completely changed because of it. And as far as I'm aware, he's still making YouTube videos, um, which he has to send to a friend out of the country so that they can post it for him. Fuck yeah! Because oh my god, it's partly um, his social credit score and partly. China's really tight restrictions on the internet online content I think just by talking about it and saying how cool he is we've sort of screwed ourselves on going to China well the thing he's never really been boastful from what I can tell he's never gone like I'm the toughest guy in China all he said is this system system. doesn't necessarily mean you're a great fighter because he's not a great fighter and he will admit that you know, yeah, he's in his forties. If, if he got into a ring with like the top MMA fighters, oh yeah, like he wouldn't stand yeah. a chance. You know, it's, like, it's not his career to be a fighter, and he's not in the prime physical specimen that he could be. He's in his forties, <laughs> and he's not particularly slim, but he just knows a bit of MMA. <laughs> and he's been kicked, he's had to leave the gym that he's taught at for twenty years. Have they just kicked him now, or because? They can't be associated with that. Wow. Shit. Poor bloke. I mean, absolute hero for pointing out hypocrisy and yeah. stuff, but 
be treated like that is a bit shit really isn't it? and I do want to reiterate again like traditional martial arts are oh, pretty, yeah. they absolutely have their place and you know, they've got thousands of years of history there's a reason they do what they do I've done a lot of them myself and I've found a lot of really good stuff just if you are looking to get into a martial art look very very carefully at who is teaching it you it doesn't really happen anymore where you get people like Count Dante and Frank Dukes with no experience trying to teach people these secret techniques which they've completely come up with off the top of their heads. Make sure you don't join a cult. But there are, you know, once upon a time there really were people out there taking horrible advantage of people. And if you want to learn to defend yourself, find a school where you at least spar with people and you don't just practice techniques on a compliant opponent because that doesn't really teach you anything. You know what it makes me think of? Have have you seen Napoleon Dynamite? A long time ago. (laughs) The guy in the American American flag pants. That guy. That guy. (laughs) That's exactly it. Yeah, just... Just absolutely just touting yourself as someone that's really good and pulling off, not even pulling off spectacular moves, just doing a, a bit of a roundhouse kick to no one. Yeah! Kind of thing. <laughs> just like putting on a commercial for TV for consumption. Yeah. But yeah, Frank Ducks, absolute fraud. <laughs> Frank Ducks. I'm probably wow. pronouncing his name wrong, but. Well, I don't think he's. If he wants to complain about it, you can. Yeah. <laughs> fight me. <laughs> Don't fight me. Alright, I'm a weakling. Fight Luke. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, we went off on a tangent. We did go off on a tangent. It's a very um, interesting tangent. A very interesting tangent. I love that. Um, I was trying to make that a slightly more fun segment, but never mind. Oh no, that was fun. That was that was uh, that was probably the most interesting thing we've talked about on the podcast. <laughs> next week, next week I'll do a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got missed, so we'd have to have a quiz because <laughs> I'm a lazy bastard. Oh, which one's this gonna be? Uh, <laughs> jelly bean flavor or convertible sports car? <laughs> That's not a bad one. So it would have to, it would have to be jelly bean flavor or sports car color. Yeah. <laughs> Raspberry Ripple. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Luke, have you sorted out your socials yet? No, of course I haven't. Fantastic. You know I'm I'm allergic to Twitter. (laughs) This has been... Oh, no! We're not going to do it again! (laughs) 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 We always did that then. Oh, I I was so close. Here we go, a bit of Foley. It's become tradition now. Yeah, thanks to you. Right. To edit that shit. So I've got to. <laughs> so I've got to do two this week. Yes. the miscellaneous. I've got the miscellaneous. Okay, so my first one. Classic literature. Ooh, classic literature. We've had children's literature. Wait, just some classic. Classic literature. I have got. I'm not going to do lit. <laughs> just drawn film and lit. Oh. <laughs> Let's not do either of those because you. I've just done film and you've just drawn that. Children's lit. <laughs> Science. Science. We need to streamline these. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go through them, I think. Science is a good one, though. What are you doing? Oh, I've got misc, haven't I? You've got misc. Yeah. That's why I'm drawing the second one. It is... Food. Oh, shit. Food I'm and classic lit. terrified. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, I think I know what I want to do for food. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, well, ah, ah, now we can do it. Thank you for listening to Voice for TV. Thank you for listening to Voice for TV. I just said that. We're not doing that. We're not going <laughs> to start bookending with that shit. Oh, God. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Andy. And I'm Luke. And welcome to Voice for TV. <laughs> And we'll see you next time. Yay! See you next time. On Voice for TV. Oh, God. Bye! Bye!
Thank you for listening to Voice for TV. We are at Voice for TV on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, you just search up Voice for TV. I'm Andy Cantillon. You can find me on Twitter at Andy underscore Cantillon. And you can find me on Instagram at Andy Cantillon. You can find Luke nowhere because he is shit at social media. Thank you very much to Jack Smith for the music. Thank you also very much to Jenny Brown for the artwork. We have been Voice for TV. Thank you very much for listening. Keep doing that. I think we've, over the last few episodes, we've established very obvious roles. <laughs> my role is not... My role Your is role deep is research. Your role is banter, man. Your banter, man. really dry topics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the stupid one.